Our scripture reading today begins with the words, Then the kingdom will be like. So much of Jesus' teaching was helping us to understand what the kingdom he was talking about was going to be like, so that we would know how to live into it. The kingdom is like a treasure, hidden in a field. The kingdom is like a mustard seed. The kingdom is like a dragnet cast into the sea. The kingdom is like a man who planted seeds. The kingdom is like the leaven, which a woman mixed into her bread flour. The kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. What will this kingdom be like? In so many ways, Words themselves are not adequate, but the images, the most evocative images and the most complex stories start to approach its meaning, especially when the stories work like a kaleidoscope, where as we look at them, they shift and change depending on how our perspective changes. So hear this story about the kingdom, the parable of the ten bridesmaids. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Now five were foolish and five were wise. When the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, all of them became drowsy and they slept. But at midnight, there was a shout, look, here comes the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those bridesmaids got up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise replied, no, no, there will not be enough for you and for us. You had better go to the merchants and buy some for yourselves. And while they went to buy it, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and that door was shut. Later, the other bridesmaids came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he replied, truly, I tell you, I do not know you. Keep awake, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Here ends the reading. Wow. This parable doesn't really seem to fit with the rest of the gospel message. If you take something and you turn it inside out, And then you repeat that process, turn it inside out again, what have you done? You're right back to where you started. The gospel message usually takes the values of empire and turns them inside out and says the last will be first, and the first last, a little child shall lead them. There will be no more wars or crying or exclusion. So if we revert away from all of these values, we are back to empire again. 
Is that what's happening here in this story? When there isn't enough for everyone? When the poor are locked out of the feast and it's better to be a rich insider? Is that the good news for today? Even the word gospel, good news, takes the idea of the emperor's good news and turns it on its head. Caesar's good news would have been that another province had been crushed and won in a conquest. But Jesus says the opposite. I have come to preach good news to the poor, to proclaim release for the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to liberate the oppressed and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. The idea that the good news was coming for the poor, the sick, the captive, the oppressed, and the brokenhearted. Good news is coming for the kids who have no Wi-Fi so that they can participate in their classes. Good news is coming for them. The good news that people will be fed and healed and released and liberated and included and called beloved that the most dire needs of the lowliest people would be met. That's the kind of good news we're looking for. You, you already all know this. So here, does this passage jive with the rest of what we know? So what place does this story hold for Christians? We want to turn the other cheek and trust in a God who opens the door for us if we only knock. We're supposed to give not only our cloak, but the shirt off our back as well, sharing everything. But when the foolish say to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out, the wise say no. Go figure it out on your own. That's not my problem. Tough luck. And when the foolish show up, the bridegroom says, I don't even know you. Bye. Are we in the right book? So I have to think that this must be true about the passage if it's to make any sense for us alongside the rest of scripture. The oil in this story, the extra flask of oil for these these lamps must represent something else. It cannot represent anything material. It cannot represent something like the expensive olive oil that people used to keep their lamps burning at night. It cannot represent anything that can be transferred from one person to another. No one can cut their portion of this in half. You have to have your own. We have to take the wise bridesmaids at their word when they say there isn't enough for you and for me. Imagine these girls out in the dark with five lamps that are lit and five that have burned out. Imagine they had divided it in half. Is there any doubt that then all ten lamps would have burned out along the way? The message could have been that God can always make a way. Our God is a God who makes a way out of no way. God can multiply our small reserves and provide us with more than enough. When we see that there is plenty and we share, it becomes true that there is enough for all. The miracles of the oil that lasts for the eight days of Hanukkah or the loaves and the fishes that feed multitudes, but not here, not this time. You can only have what you've already set aside, and you can't give it away. You can't borrow it from a friend. What's yours is yours.
So what can it be? What is this oil for your lamp representing in this story? I have to think it's like all of these metaphors we've been using in these past days. We've been so, so overwhelmed. I've heard you guys saying things like, you can't pour from an empty glass. I've heard you say, you can't let your well run dry. From what I understand, if your well does run dry, you have to build a new one. You have to dig, dig a new one. You can't just wait for that dry well to fill up again. It's not going to happen. You have to start over. Kids in school talk about a bucket. They talk about having a full bucket if they're feeling happy and joyful, or an empty bucket if someone has hurt their feelings. You can't fill someone else's bucket when your bucket is empty. And most obviously, when we are depleted, we say we are burned out, just like these lamps. When people describe this state, when we talk in this way, we're talking about being mentally and physically and spiritually just drained until we have no reserves left to give anyone else, just like in this parable. You can't just call a friend and say, I didn't sleep last night. Give me some of your energy. It doesn't work that way. You can't call on someone else's reserves of strength or fortitude. You can't borrow it, and you can't give it away either. You have to take care of yourself in these days. And someone who is depleted just can't care for anyone else. Someone who is drowning can't pull anyone else to shore. This is why they say you have to put on your own oxygen mask first. It sounds selfish, but it's not. It just doesn't work any other way. This has been such an intense time for this country. Waiting and watching, the delay. What's really going on in this story is that nobody thought it would take this long. The foolish have given up watching and waiting. They're not ready anymore. They've given up hope. Trying to maintain your own spiritual strength and reserve when it feels like you have been tested for so long with so many interactions with other people just inadvertently feeling like they're draining you of the rest of your reserves. It's been so painful and negative and toxic, fear of violence, fear of just misconnection with people we try to communicate with, even people we care about. So I've been puzzling over all of this in conversations with you, and I think there are two ways we can think about having some oil, having some reserve set aside. So we talk about keeping the lamps trimmed, The lamp that I showed the kids has a wick, if you noticed. And you can turn up that wick, and it will start, the lamp will start burning more brightly. But what's happening is you're just burning through the fuel so fast. And it will go, the lamp will eventually burn out too quickly. Safeguard yourselves from the things that drain you. What are the things that sap you of your energy and leave you unable to go on? Is it social media? Is it people in your life who mistreat you? 
Is it your own mindset if you forget to appreciate the simple things in life and recognize God's blessing in those little moments? If you forget your practices of mindfulness? Limit your exposure to these things that sap you of your energy, that burn out your light too fast, as best as you can. If you burn your candle with the wick too long, you will burn brightly for a short time and then be burned out. And the other is find a way to store up some reserve. For you, is it through your relationships or is it time alone? Is it through rest or through your creative outlets? Is it through working for the kingdom? And I know so many of you do this tirelessly, day in and day out. Does it energize you to work for that kingdom, the one Jesus told us about, with people who share God's vision for that inside-out world where the last shall be first? Find out what it is that fills your reserve and make it a priority. Here's where I find a reserve. That small amount of oil that I keep set aside to keep my lamp burning when so many lamps around us are going out and I start to worry about my own, I hope in God's promises because I know they are true. Our God, the one who calls us together to be community even in these times, especially in these times, the God we sing to, the God we praise, our God is a God of resurrection, This is God's story. Resurrection and transformation, transfiguration. A God who would take on a fragile human body just to be close to us. Our God is a God who can soften the hardest of hearts. Our God loves to prepare, repair broken things and broken people and broken relationships. Our God can lead us all into a new way of being. We have heard in these days things are so bad, they have never been this bad, we have never been so polarized, and this could be the end of us. Not true. Not true. Things are not irreparable when we have faith in God. Ultimately, I think that extra oil that lets you relight your lamp, keep it burning when it's about to go out, is hope. The five foolish bridesmaids have lost hope when the waiting got too long. Don't lose hope. We are about to sing, keep your lamps trimmed and burning, a spiritual about this passage. Sisters, don't get weary. Brothers, don't get weary. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. And depending on how you sing it, we're going to be singing, for this work's almost done. Sometimes we sing, Don't get weary until the work is done. There is work for us to do to keep making this world as close as we can to the one God envisions, that kingdom, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom is that good news that Jesus has described all along that kingdom that's good news for everyone. So keep your lamps trimmed and burning. At the end of the story, they are finding their way to a feast. And they don't have to bring everything for the feast. No, 
God has already prepared it. We just have to find our way there. So keep your lamps trimmed and burning to find your way to the the feast that has been prepared for you. And let us sing together. Keep your lamps trimmed and burning. (laughs) 